welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. Today we are talking about Luke chapter 20, and I get to welcome back today Carmen LaBerge. She is host of Mornings with Carmen. Welcome back, Carmen. Hey, thanks, Angela. It's great to be here. So let's just dive right in because there's not a lot of, we don't have a lot of time. So <laughs> let's get to the good stuff. What has stood out to you in Luke chapter 20? So if you just go through Luke chapter 20 um, and write down the questions that are asked of Jesus, and then you sort of examine who's asking those questions and the spirit in which they're asked, mm-hmm. uh, the, it makes this kind of a rich and strange like Q&A parlor game. Like, right? There's some weird, there's like something very interesting and strange going on. And I think that Luke, you know, part of what he's doing is he's capturing the spirit of what's going on in terms of all of the people who are asking questions of Jesus. Because there are different people, different kinds of people. It's not just the Pharisees. It's also the Sadducees. Um, They are, again, as they were at the opening of chapter 14, They are watching him closely, verse 20 of chapter 20, keeping a close watch on him. They sent spies who pretended to be honest, um, hoping to catch Jesus in something that he said so that they might hand him over to the powers and authorities, um, you know, of the day. So there are these questions being asked. The first question comes um, at the very outset, and then Instead of actually answering the question, Jesus reframes the conversation, which is something that is also going on in this chapter. And something he does a lot. And something he does a lot. Yeah. It's been interesting to watch over the, the whole gospel of Luke that Luke seems to have something to say about the religious leaders and the 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 way that they were watching with malintent of trying to catch Jesus doing something that they could then bring him to to face charges on. Um, and it's so interesting how Jesus is always like, he, he's always taking things up a notch. So even like when we saw it in 14, when he was healing on the, on the Sabbath, when he was like, you know, when your cow or your animal falls in a well, don't you go get it? And, you know, we see him say that time and again, of someone who's hurting when he does a healing on the Sabbath, how much more, that person matters. And so, or when we see him saying, you know, you've heard it said, do not hate, but I tell you when you have, or do not murder, but I tell you when you have hate in your heart, you've committed murder. So he's always taking things up. Another yeah. Notch. So that's, um, I think that the language I would use for that is higher righteousness. Mm. Jesus is always trying to help us see and call us to a higher righteousness. And ultimately we can't, live up to it. It's it's literal perfection. Right. But he does live up to it and he's trying to show us what that looks like. Uh, if we keep in mind that Jesus is always exegeting the Father, he's always revealing the Father, he's always showing us who God is, um, I think that's helpful. I think that, um, you know, the world is not always trying to show us God, right? <laughs> um, worldliness is, is something other than godliness and so, yeah, I think Luke is um, very adept at helping us see that. And we talked about back in uh, chapter 14 about watching Jesus closely and the importance of knowing how we could imitate him by watching him, which I think can sometimes lead to doing. We could do the things that Jesus did but not have the motivation for it. And so, you know, with this quest- these questions and answers, I think what we would want to add to that is listening and hearing what he's saying, too. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So what we have happening is that his authority is challenged. Which is what's always happening. Right. Right. I mean, the whole, I mean, from the, from, from the garden of Eden forward, the question is always a question of authority versus autonomy. Mm. God's way or our way. Mm. It is, it just always is. So yes. So yes, Jesus's authority is questioned, but that seems like redundant. Par for the course. Yeah. So then he tells the parable of the tenants and that's a, uh, it's a, that's a pretty piercing parable. So is there something in there that you want to particularly address? In verse 17, in the study guide, I have, after people have read verse 17, I'm talking about how that takes us back to Psalm 118 mm-hmm. and, you know, going back to who Jesus is talking to. He is talking to Jewish people who would have been, who would have done Jewish customs, you know, been yeah, a part of that. Yeah, they would have clearly been familiar with this in context. Yes. Yeah. And so he's talking about what he's going back to is Psalm 118.22, which is part of the halal, which is uh, beautiful. Going back and, and reciting and remembering what God has done. We see it, the halal for the Passover meal, that they go back. And, and so this is, these are, these are the words that he is saying back to them are words that they have recited at every holiday. So in um, here in chapter 20, um, we get, you know, the, the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. There's no question that they understood these halal psalms as messianic. In chapter 19, just prior to this, we have the words of the end of the halal on, you know, on the lips of the people uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest, right? Jesus is actually saying, hey, you just pointed at me and and laid claim to what everybody here knows is messianic or the messianic promises of these psalms that we have sung every year at Passover about the coming Messiah. And you just said, you the people just said, it's me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let me then turn and lift up another verse from that and remind you that it's a stone that's rejected. He knows what's coming. He knows exactly who he is. Um, and so I think that's part of what's being exposed here. They see Jesus as the Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna and the highest. But he turns out to not be the Messiah that they expected. Right. And so, you know, in the coming verses and chapters, we're going to see that they, their affection turns on him and they reject him. Which makes me think a little bit of the, the that higher righteousness that you were talking about that, you know, they thought it was going to be one thing. And Jesus saying, actually, I'm going to, um, he's upping, upping it again. Yeah, it, it is going to be that thing. It is mm-hmm. going to be the, thr- the throne of David forever. Yes, the enemies are going to be put under the footstool. It's just not the footstool that you think, and it's just not the kingdom that you imagined. Right. And, or right, and right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they probably thought he's coming into Jerusalem to, you know, do the big, yeah. be the big king, take over yeah. that throne. And I feel like that is something that all of us deal with at least some point in our relationship with God where we have to deal with something about God that we have built up in our relationship with him, some misconception about who he is. And, you know, we have to 
take that apart and figure out who he really is and put it back together, understanding who he really is, going deeper with who he is. I'm so glad that you said that because um, I think that it's easy for us to condemn the Pharisees, mm-hmm. condemn the Sadducees. And I I wrote down here in my notes somewhere, which of course I can't find right now at this particular second, but Paul would have fallen Saul, Paul as Saul prior to his, you know, conversion, uh, total awakening, yes, mm-hmm. on the uh, on the road to Damascus. Paul would have been, I mean, he wasn't. We he was not in the context of this conversation at the time, but he would have been. He is this kind of Pharisee. He's right. a Pharisee among Pharisees. This is what he was raised to believe and do. He carried it out with a ferocity of faith. And and then when he came to see and understand who Christ really is, he is not only received fully and fully forgiven, he's fully equipped for every good work that God prepared in advance for him to do. It keeps me mindful, Angela, that the people who right now I see mishandling the word of God, mischaracterizing or misrepresenting God in the culture, it's just that they have not yet seen who Christ is. They have not yet bent the knee to him you know, as the Savior and the Lord in a way, in a way that honors him. And and so I'm just praying for those kinds of conversions among people who perceive themselves to be people of faith. They perceive themselves to be the teachers of the day, and yet they haven't sat down in, you know, in the assigned seat. They have, they're, they're seeking to make a name for themselves. They're seeking to build a kingdom of with their own name, as opposed to building this kingdom of this king whose name is Jesus. That's so interesting and feels so um, like a culmination of what we've been seeing in the book of Luke. I mean, Peter and I talked about in the introductory episode, talked about Paul and how, because Luke was a travel companion of Paul, and how all of Paul's letters to the churches, I mean, Paul's having to work out that it was everything that he had been taught, like you said, to now it's available to the Gentiles and then not only figure that out himself, like in real time, and teach all of these churches. And so we see we see all of that happening, exactly what you're talking about. And building kingdoms for themselves reminds me of the conversation from back in chapter 4. Yes, 4, when Jesus is tempted, that it's about having a kingdom. It's about having his you know, his needs met, you know, him eating bread, you know, turning the rock into bread and eating and that temptation that's always there for us to do the same. And something I've been realizing lately is that how many things we do to try to be God ourselves Mm. and being able to do what Paul did, do what we need to do daily to, to submit that, to submit that to the highest, most righteous God. And let him be God and to submit to that. I'm just preaching to myself over here. No, it's all good. I, you know, I, I'm probably, I'm not tempted to try to be God because I know how little I know and how, how big the problems are. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm, I am certainly not sufficient unto them. So I think my my reliance on God is pretty comprehensive. It, I, I can tell you that in that there is great freedom 
I know who I am in Christ. I know that that means there's a million things I am not. And I'm not trying to be those million million things. I think one of the great temptations that I face is um, when other people want you to be or do something that you know is not what, you know, like, right? I want to be faithful in the small things that God's given me to be faithful in. Mm-hmm. And I I don't want to be tempted to do things outside of that or beyond that just because people want me to. That's a hard, that's a hard challenge I face. Might not be relevant to this conversation, but... Well, I've, I think the, that gets to say sometimes it's harder. I think the harder no is when it's a no to things that are good. Good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, you for joining me. It's always a joy. This is so good. I so much appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for joining us for Luke chapter 20. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time for Luke chapter 21. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.